Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 177 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I'm Tyler Uremchuk, and as always, the podcast is brought to you by Botano. Everything you need to get in on the action this September is up at botano.ca or Maybe you want to check out their new NFL trivia coming up this week. I'll have a bit more on that later in the show. 19 plus play responsibly. The game starts now at botano.ca. Coomsey thoughts. Ah, no Coomsey this week. I, this is episode 177. And I really think this is the second or third episode that I've ever had to do this without, uh, without Coomsey riding shotgun, but he's taken some much deserved time off. He's out on the coast right now. He'll be back for the next episode though. Um, to fill in for him a little bit, producer Brett Holden's going to pop in in just a little. And, uh, Michael Bradburn from the score is going to make an appearance. We've had him on the pod before we're going to, you know, get his thoughts. He he's a little bit more, uh, unbiased, I guess we'll say when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays. So we'll get his thoughts on Vladdy and the season he's been having, what he thinks the Jays biggest flaw is. And also we'll kind of go around the rest of the league. We'll talk about the Braves who are just absolutely mashing in the NL and we'll get Michael's thoughts on, you know, which one out of Texas, Houston and Seattle the Jays are most likely to catch. So plenty of stuff to get to with Michael. That'll be coming up in about 15 minutes here. But for now, let's talk about the series that took place in Denver, Colorado. The Jays going toe to toe with a Colorado Rockies team that was 35 games under 500 heading into this series. Not good against teams above 500 this year. They were like 37 games under 500. Not good. The Jays go in, they take two of three. You would have loved to see a sweep out of this one, but it wasn't in the cards. Let's get into how it all happened with three up, three down. And we will start with the positives because they did win the series. And the biggest positive was just the fact that the bats came alive. 27 runs in three games for the Toronto Blue Jays, a handful of homers as well. In the first game, it was Brandon Belt and Danny Jansen. In the second game, it was Kevin Kiermeyer. And in the third game, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went yard his 21st of the season, an absolute missile of a home run. It was an up and down series for Vladdy, but in that finale, he did go two for three. And considering that was the tightest win of the series for the Jays, I think he gets 
a, a little bit of a hat tip. His numbers over the last week have kind of fallen off. We were hoping we were getting a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. heater, but he did finish the series with three RBIs, came around to score a couple of times in the finale. Big reason why they were able to get the series win. We'll talk about some other Vladdy stuff in just a second, though. Another big up from this one, and we'll give him our second up. How about Spencer Horwitz coming up from the minors as part of their September call-ups? And Horwitz goes yard in the series finale. And I mean, hey, we could probably just give a big up to all the Bisons who are up playing this weekend. Um, that was... That was impressive to see the way those guys came up and raked. I mean, David Schneider's been doing it for weeks or for. Yeah, okay, we'll say weeks now. It's not surprising. But then you see Ernie Clement continue his heater. Talk about him in a bit. And Spencer Horowitz just adds to it. He's now batting 385 on his young MLB career. Only 13 ABs into this thing. But in the series finale, he went three for four. Hit the dinger. Couple of RBIs. Drew a walk as well. The 25-year-old. Again, this kind of goes back to what Ross Atkins kind of talked about at the deadline when there was, you know, do the Jays go and get Nelson Cruz? How do they add another big bat into this lineup? And Atkins said, I think we prefer our internal options over the external ones. And he was bang on with that. And the up is that guys like Horwitz and Clement and Schneider are coming up and playing a big role at a moment when the Jays needed it. If these guys weren't doing it, the Brandon Belt, we'll call it in air quotes, an injury because he's only missed the one game, only expected to be day to day. But that would be stinging a lot more. He's been in and out of the lineup over the last couple of weeks. Bo Bichette's injury would be stinging a lot more if Ernie Clement wasn't coming up and going three for five in games. And he's batting what now? 452 OPS north of a thousand. It's been 31 ABs for Ernie Clement. 27-year-old journeyman is coming up and giving the Jays quality, quality, quality at bats. He had six hits in that series against the Colorado Rockies, four RBIs. He hit his first career home run as well. These Bisons are coming up and playing a huge role. And if it wasn't for them, this Jays team is more than a game and a half back. I'm including David Schneider in that conversation. And it's frustrating in one on one hand because... We sat here and watched how many months of Santiago Espinal struggle. We watched how many months of Kevin Biggio being consistent. And these guys were right under your nose for the last eight weeks. And you didn't want to make the move for David Schneider. You can look at John Schneider and say, this guy just continues to rake. He had another solid series against the Rockies. He hit a clutch triple that almost brought them back in that second game. And you sat him on the bench for, how many games in a row a couple of weeks ago? It's frustrating because these guys are right under your nose and they could have provided a spark potentially earlier than they did. You know, when that first Bo Bichette injury came, why wasn't Ernie Clement getting a call up? Anyways, uh, I digress a little bit. We're trying to stay positive here off the jump because the Jays did win two of three and the bats, they really do get all three ups in this one. And, you know, frustrating to... Look at the pitching. I, I know, and the broadcast. Hey, the broadcast brought it up a hundred times that it is difficult to pitch in Colorado at Coors Field. It's not a lot of fun for these arms. That being said, there were some pretty disappointing moments. So let's get into our three downs. And I think a lot of it does come on the pitching side of things. The Jays made a couple of errors in this series as well. Um, three in total. Not great. You would like to see them again considering the fact that it is a tough ballpark to pitch in. You would like to see the, the defense maybe show up a little bit more and how about their arms. Um, but the first down is actually going to go to 
John Schneider's quick, quick yank of Hunjin Ryu. It Ryu's been great for them. Kumzi and I have hit on this a hundred times now since he's come back, but he wasn't supposed to be a factor this year. He's come up and he's got a 2.48 ERA. He's given them almost 30 innings now. Like he's consistently giving them quality starts in his last three outings. He's gone exactly five innings in each of them. And he's only around allowed a total of four earned runs, exactly four hits in each of them as well. 15 K's over those 15 innings. Ryu's been great. I it, it's, and maybe it's because of the arm and he's coming off Tommy John and maybe that's why they're being extra cautious with him. But at the same time, we saw this earlier in the year with Yusei Kikuchi. It's the quick pull and I, I don't like it from Schneider. I think Ryu now, again, almost 30 innings. I think you can trust him a little bit more. I wasn't a fan of that and it more or less immediately blew up in their face. I thought Ryu deserved a chance to try to get out of that jam. Didn't happen. Garcia comes in, gives up a hit couple of runs uh, again eventually it was genesis cabrera giving up the dinger i didn't like the bullpen management in that one chad green wasn't good in that game either it's hilarious to look at the box score and see his era at the end of that night was 54 granted he was able to knock it down a little bit um but I, it, it was frustrating bullpen management and i guess the defense of schneider would be that bullpen was very rested and you're trying to make sure you get that first win but it blew up in his face and I felt like he could have trusted Ryu a little bit more. So that's my first down. Um, the lack of clutch in game two. It's it's weird to say it because they put up seven runs and you shouldn't be mad at the bats when your team puts up seven runs. It should have been enough to win that ball game. But it's Coors Field. Seven runs isn't always going to be enough to win the ball game. Um, again, Garcia, not great in that game. Another rough outing for him. But the Jays had a chance there you get the bases loaded you have or you get runners in scoring position late in that ball game and you aren't able to get the final one across the board you could go to the cleveland series where they blew it the washington series they had a chance to sweep they blew it in a very very similar fashion and just again the way that inning kind of starts you have springer gets on base davis schneider hammers one to the gap it's a triple Vladdy's coming up and you're thinking, Hey, here's a great chance for Guerrero to finally have a signature moment for this season lines out to Doyle cannon of an arm. He threw that ball like a hundred and some miles an hour back in. So no chance to score on it. Whit Merrifield gets called out on strikes. He didn't like the third strike call, but the call that was the third ball was 100% in the zone. So not much to stand on there. If you're Whit Merrifield, I know it's frustrating. Kirk walks, Biggio walks. And bases are loaded for Spencer Horwitz. It's a pitcher who has totally lost or Rocky's bullpen. I should say that's totally lost control. They've walked two guys. They hit Dalton Varsho. Horwitz comes up and I don't want to rag on the guy too much. First pitch is a ball ball swings at a ball. And it, he totally let him off the hook. He swung at two balls in the count. It, It was mildly frustrating to see the approach there at the end. But again, it's Spencer Horwitz. First game back up, first plate appearance since being recalled. I, I, I cut him a little bit of slack, but in general, the Jays not being able to get the job done in game two is another down in this one. The third down I had written here is uh, the injuries continuing to pile up. Danny Jansen's on the IL. It could be a while for Danny Jansen as well. We saw the injury a, a little bit unlucky with the throwing arm or throwing hand just kind of being in there in a foul ball. Um, Brandon Belt, late scratch in the third game. They again, the call ups are doing their job and it's great but you want guys like Belton Jansen in your lineup down the stretch here. And hopefully 
it's not too serious for belt doesn't sound like it is and for jansen hopefully it's a minimal il stint but it certainly doesn't look that way when you kind of read the report so definitely some downs from this series in denver um not great you would have loved to see the jays rack up a sweep especially when you look at the out-of-town scoreboard and you got your help again it's the second straight series this happened against washington where you look at the teams they played and they got their help and if you sweep you're sitting in a much much better spot let's talk a little bit more about the wild card race and bringing our pal brett holden brett the jays got their help around the american league and they didn't get the sweep themselves. Take us through what happened with some of the teams they're chasing. Well, that's exactly it, Tyler. They got all the help they possibly ever could have imagined here, and they just didn't capitalize. Let's start with the Tampa Bay Rays, who are sitting atop the AL wild card by six and a half games. They played the Cleveland Guardians, and they lost two or three against the Guardians, a three, two, and seven, six loss for them. They were able to win the series ending game again the uh, Cleveland Guardians 6-2. Next up, they have the Boston Red Sox at the Trop. However, Jason Adam will be away from the team as he will. Uh, he is on a 15-day IL with a strained left oblique. And Taj Bradley has been called up as well from AAA for the uh, race. Let's move on to the Texas Rangers, a team that uh, this a whole uh, division has been fantastic all year. And obviously, as we know, two teams that the Jays are trailing and racing right now. And one of the teams, the Texas Rangers, played the Minnesota Twins. And they, too, lost two of three against the Twins, 5-1 and 9-7. But it was an Adolis Garcia bomb in the ninth that would get the Rangers a the one win that they would need in that series and coming up is the Houston Astros so you kind of mentioned it as well maybe uh, somebody sweep somebody here with uh, uh, some of these games coming up but uh, as mentioned they have the Astros for the Rangers however Max Scherzer was fatigued after throwing six scoreless innings he did say my arm felt good I was able to throw the baseball I just didn't know where the finish line was so for their big ticket acquisition as well at the deadline heading into postseason those are going to be some storylines to watch out for now for the astros they just got swept by the yankees three straight six two five four six one and it's not going to be in any easier for them as well as mentioned they're facing off against the rangers here those i think that is really going to be one of the biggest series going on for the rest of the year for the blue jays that might be the one series to really watch coming down uh these next couple of weeks here because those are ground or that is ground that the Jays can gain here. Let's end off with the Boston Red Sox who are five and a half games back of a wild card spot. Their last series was against the Kansas City Royals and yes they did win two of three but they did lose the opener against the Royals 13 to two. They do have the Tampa Bay Rays coming up next in the trop and Alex Verdugo is likely to be out at least for the first game he is what's considered or they're considering day to day with left hamstring tightness he left the game uh yesterday against the royals as alex Cora said no we're just gonna kind of play it by ear there so boston i'm not gonna mention the yankees i know they just swept the the astros but they didn't forget it 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jason Dominguez with two homers and Ian Hamilton on the IL. I think really that's that's the biggest news for the New York Yankees. Almost called them the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, the, the Yankees did their job for the Toronto Blue Jays. And again, looking at what's coming up next year, that is a big, big series down in uh, in in Houston and Texas with uh, the Astros and Rangers going head to head. We're going to talk about the wild card race, wild card race a bit more with uh, Michael Bradburn, but looking at these schedules and the way they're kind of laid up, like Ken, if you're the Jays, if you can take advantage of these next six, you get Oakland, you get Kansas city, things get more difficult for you. Cause again, like you can't sleep on the Yankees. They're going to be a pesky out, even though, you, and you play them six times in the final two weeks of the season. But you look at the other schedules around the league and for Texas, I mean, they have this one against Houston. They end the season with seven of their final 10 games being against the Seattle Mariners. That is a very, very tough way to end your season. And then you look at Houston as well. Their second last series is against Seattle. It's in Seattle. And then they end the series with three games in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. That could be a D-backs team, Brett, that is also playing for their postseason lives. They have a series against the Orioles, the Padres as well. The schedules for these other teams aren't easy either, which is why it's pivotal the Jays make up a lot of ground here in the next week. A hundred percent. And especially when we talk about those games that the other teams have already lost, the teams that they're chasing have already lost. When you're losing games against the Colorado Rockies, you can't be having that when those teams like the Houston Astros are getting swept by the Yankees. And now, like you mentioned, the, the Jays have a little bit of a lenient schedule coming up here. Take advantage of those games and those teams who are battling for their lives. We saw even three, two of those three teams that these are facing are also, or trailing, excuse me, are also facing some injury trouble. So those could be something that pops up, including uh, Max Scherzer, who was again, supposed to help bring this Rangers team to uh, the postseason. So not only is it a difficult schedule here for some of the Jays uh, opponents or the teams that they're trailing, but they could be facing some injuries too. So now is the time for the Jays to hop on the boat and get going here. We will talk a little bit about, or we'll get set for that series against Oakland, but let's get to our interview today and bring in Michael Bradburn from the score. Life is full of awesome. What ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United healthcare provides health protector guard, fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Cruising along on Blue Jays Nation Radio and with no Coombsy on the show today, I had to find a new friend to talk baseball with, Michael Bradburn from The Score, hopping on. I see your cat behind you. I would assume this is what it looks like when you're hunkered down, whether it's watching F1, watching MLB, you, the cat, the TV. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty much it. Uh, he's he's pretty active when it comes to uh, me talking too, so so he might he might end up climbing on me. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's talk a little baseball here. You're an MLB writer at the score. Let's start with the Jays. We're going to go around baseball a little bit as well, but this Jays team has been wildly frustrating for a handful of reasons this year, even in a stretch right now where they just played, you know, three kind of subpar teams. They can never string together six, seven straight wins. They're one of the few teams in the majors who hasn't gone on an extended winning streak at some point in their season. The arms have never been a problem, but the big debate, I guess, has kind of been what's been holding this Jays team back from your perspective. I I guess I'll ask you, what's their biggest flaw? What is holding this Jays team back from reaching the level they haven't been able to get to? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you alluded to it already. It's the offense. Clearly, it's it's an extremely frustrating offense that isn't ever outscoring its opponent. It feels like Um, even like the, the Rockies, like you'd expect an offense to explode at Coors field. And they did to a degree, but not to the degree that you want to see a team like the blue Jays perform. And you've been waiting for it all year. And it's, it's been time now it's, it's time for this team to like turn a corner and show why they should be considered, you know, a legitimate contender. And they're just not, they're just not doing it. And it's incredibly frustrating. They still have a cupcake schedule coming up. I think uh, the A's are on next and then the Royals. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they've managed to do what they've needed to do in that they're winning two of three routinely against these bad teams. And that's good. But two of three the rest of the way gets you, I believe it's 91 or 92 wins. And that's maybe not good enough to make the playoffs. So, like, they just... They, like you said, they need to go on an extended streak. They just need to be, you know, they need to be better than, than this. And and the pitching is doing its job. The offense just needs to click. And uh, like, if you're calling out one culprit, it's most assuredly Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But you, you read my mind that that was my next question. It was about Vladdy and kind of where you come out on the whole Vladdy thing. Cause in a way he, he kind of does represent the whole offense and the struggles this season where I mean, even go to the series against Colorado, that home run he hit, he absolutely murdered it. And he had a couple of great at bats and really, really hard hit balls. But then I think he hit three ground balls to shortstop when there was a runner on first base. Like he's lucky he didn't ground into three or four double plays in this series on top of the ones he did ground into. Like it's so frustrating and it's tough because the name, right? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. carries a lot of significance. The expectations were so high. Is it just foolish for Jays fans to think they're ever getting back 2021 Vladimir Guerrero MVP caliber season? Do you still think that's in there in the player or is he just... Is he, is he, he is what he is. He's a four or five hitting average first baseman. Yeah. I, I've been wondering with that question myself too. Like I, I think the sample size we're working with now is large enough where this might be him. This legitimately might be him, but I also don't fault Jays fans for like holding out hope. He's still young. Um, he can still, you know, adjust, turn a corner and 
like you said, when, when he gets a hold of one, he really gets a hold of one. So it's like, it's in there, it's in his swing, but sometimes he just taking these frustrating at bats, like, like the, I can't even remember which game it was, but, but, uh, the blue Jays hit almost three consecutive home runs. Uh, belt was in there. I think Davis Schneider hit one in there too. And Vladimir Guerrero jr. Was right in the middle with a ground out in between those three, like almost consecutive, uh, home runs. Vlad could have made it four, and he's just, this legitimately might be him. He, he takes frustrating at bats and every once in a while, He'll get a hold of one, sure, but but yeah, I don't I don't know where I stand yet. I, I think I might need the final month of the season and and you know if he starts next season hot, maybe maybe I change my tune too, but I don't know, man. It's he's frustrating. Well, like think about last year and the conversations this fan base was having about Bo Bichette, right? Like going into September last year, Bo was not having a good year at all. And the defense was not good at all. Yeah. And then he went, cranked it up in September, had one of the best months, if not the best month of his career. And then he rolled it into a very good start this season. He's having a great year. One of the best hitters in the American league. And it's like, Oh my God, you feel so dumb for like a year ago being like, Oh, you don't extend Bo. You don't give Bo the big deal. You give Vladdy the big deal. And now it's like, the complete reverse and it makes things like maybe things could change in a little bit here. Um, as we head through September, the Jays have, and this is the reason why I think it's easy to hold out. Hope is they're a game and a half back and there's three teams. They could realistically catch. You just need to catch one of Houston, Texas, Seattle, just one of them. It seems very simple. Which one of those three teams is the most vulnerable in your eyes? I kind of think the Astros, uh, like beyond, beyond Verlander and uh, presumably healthy Framber Valdez, the pitching doesn't look especially scary to me. Um, and they just got swept by the Yankees who are like, just bad. The Yankees are bad this year. They're, and like, I, I don't know how you get swept by this Yankees team. I know they just brought up some exciting young prospects. Jason Dominguez had two home runs that series, but like, this Yankees team is laughably bad. So, you know, as, as frustrated as you might be with your, with your Toronto blue Jays, take in mind that the Astros just lost three straight to the incredibly bad New York Yankees. So, you know, baseball happens, you know, losses to bad teams do occur, but, but yeah, um, the Rangers are also quite cold lately and have to face the Mariners quite a lot down the stretch. Uh, the Astros, I think, have one series against the Mariners. So the Mariners also have like two series against the Rangers, one series against the Astros. Um, so like they'll be duking it out the entire rest of the way. There's room for the Jays to fit in to that picture. They just need to, yeah, they just need to win more than 66% of their games down the stretch, I think. And they will catch one of these teams. One of them will go on a cold enough streak here that, that it matters. My pick is the Astros, but also like, I don't know, you probably shouldn't discount the team with, with Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez and, and Jose Altuve and like Jose Abreu has been pretty good down the stretch too. Um, even though he was historically bad to start the season. Um, so that that's my caveat for like not buying into the Astros, but I'm not a big Astros believer this year. 
Yeah, the Astros, they have the the one more series against the Mariners, the Rangers. I mean, those two teams are going head to head right now as well. They have a three gamer that starts today. So yeah. from a Jays perspective, somebody sweeps somebody. Um, but the interesting thing with the Rangers is, yes, that series against the Astros, that four gamer against the Jays that starts seven days from now. And then seven of their final 10 games are against the Mariners. So, again, if one of those two teams can just dominate that matchup, the, the door opens up for the Jays a little bit. Um, talking about frustration of Jays fans, I think it adds to it a little bit when you're sitting in the division. And if someone would have told you four months ago, hey, the Red Sox are going to be barely over 500 and the Yankees are below 500 and Wander Franco and Shane McClanahan aren't in the picture for the Rays, you'd probably be sitting there going, the Jays are running away with the AL East, but the damn Baltimore Orioles are the best team in the American League somehow. And it's frustrating because you look at this Orioles team, young, exciting core, right? They, they found a way to just bring up all these guys at the perfect time. And now they're all just booming right on cue. And it's like, that's what the Jays were supposed to be, man. That, that, was, that was the Jays whole bit was having Vlad and Bo and Biggio. And these guys come up and I'll be stars at the same time. The Orioles being the best team in the AL, it, it's just flat out stunning. I thought they were going to have a good year, but I didn't see this coming. Um, just talk a little bit about how good this team is and how frustrating I guess it'll be from a Jays perspective. They're going to be good for the next decade. Yes. Yeah. They they're definitely built to succeed. So long as the Angelos family decides to invest in them as well. And yeah. the, that ownership group is incredibly ghoulish. So it's not like, I mean, if, if you're looking for reasons to cope, with the Orioles, they could mess this up still. And they do need to invest in a pitching staff. Um, I know they have Grayson Rodriguez to build around on that, on that starting rotation. But outside of that, I am not especially intimidated by almost any of the healthy arms. Um, Kyle Bradish is having a wonderful breakout season, um, but like really looks like a number two at best, but probably a number three. Um, and then like John means might be coming back next year and, and like might be, you know, might factor in, but really like the rotation needs help, help. Um, and I guess this isn't part of your question, I don't think, but that's one reason I would be excited if I were a Jays fans, like Jays fan, like if, if the Jays make the postseason, and I am not a Jays fan, just, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the Jays make the postseason, if they squeak in, they are absolutely have a chance to go on a Phillies like run because the pitching staff is just so good. Like they, they could stymie any offense at any given time. It's the same reason why I actually really like the, the Minnesota twins for the postseason too. The starting rotation is so, so good. The offense doesn't have to be every on every single night. And that's the exact same model. The Phillies used last year, riding like Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola just way too hard probably and they wrote it to an nl pennant and you know that that's a recipe for success all you need is a couple things to click offensively and it works out um and the orioles yeah the orioles just like don't have a rotation that i think can stack up against almost any american league team i know they've made it work in the regular season um but i think they've they've just weaponized like platoon advantage really really well like players like adam frazier like our, our fringe big leaguers and he's having an unbelievable season just because he only faces players. He like pitchers he hits well against. And, and that's like, that's a great way to manage a team for a regular season and guarantee regular season success. It's not necessarily 
how you went in the postseason. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and yeah, and then you have to contend with the Rays as well. But but yeah, they, I mean, as much as I'm not a Jays fan, I love I love when the Yankees are either historically great or hilariously bad and nothing in between. I don't want them to be very good. I don't want them to be good. I want them to be awful or hilariously great. And, and that's it. And right now they're so, so bad. And it's so much fun. It is one of those fan bases that you just, yeah, you love to see them squirm like this, like for lack of a better word, <laughs> and like the media around it and all of that. It really is hilarious. Uh, let's switch gears because my next question to you was going to be kind of about the American League and who's maybe next best behind Baltimore. But I think we kind of covered it there. Like Minnesota looks interesting. Seattle looks interesting. The Jays, you never know. But in the NL, it feels like more of a two horse race there with the Dodgers and the Braves being as good as they are. Is there one of those two that clearly stands out? Like the Braves are running away with not just the division, but there's six games, I think, up on the Dodgers. Are the Braves really that much better than everyone else? Yeah, I think I think we might be sleeping on how historically great this Braves team is. They're, like we've I mean, baseball fans have been following it and and know about it, but I feel like we gave more credit to those like recent Dodgers teams, the like 2010s Dodgers juggernaut. Uh, teams that we all just thought would run away with it and easily win a world series. And then they only won the one and it was in the pandemic shortened year. Um, but the Braves have hit more home runs than any team in like baseball history now. And like, and the pitching is also exceptionally good. It's like Spencer Strider is a reliever who can start. And that's how he works like he just strikes everybody out he doesn't walk anybody he ran into some home run issues earlier in the year but those seem to be f- figured out max freed is is healthy again and he's perhaps the most underrated ace in all of baseball in that he just like he doesn't get swings and misses a lot but he just generates so much weak contact that he's so and like so reliably like usually that's not a repeatable skill or something that sabermetricians like to think they can uh predict or project going forward but max Fried just like he keeps doing it and there's no reason to believe he can stop so yeah it's just the the braves are truly a wagon um and yeah they can they can probably run away with it if they want to the dodgers it, it does feel like a year where the dodgers will finally, you know, sneak in there because the expectations aren't as, aren't as big. And, uh, you know, the rotation's probably figuring it out at the right time. Obviously they lost Tony Gonsolin, but, but Julio Arias is, is figuring it out at the right time. Um, Clayton Kershaw is back to being healthy again, and he was having a, a great season all year other than injuries. So, yeah. And I mean, the offense is the offense. Like it's, it's still Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, you know, like, yeah, that team is so, so good. So, um, yeah, I, I would comfortably guess it's one of those two teams coming out of the National League. But but, you know, but yeah, yeah, I was I was going to try and make arguments for other teams, but I, I don't Man. think I can. No, like, I mean, the wild card race in the NL is going to be awesome, but yes. I really do think you know, Cincy, San Fran, Miami, Arizona, those teams are all just right there all behind each other. They're playing to get swept by the Braves, though, right? Like none of those teams have a shot. 
Yeah, no, they they really don't. Zach Gallen is an excellent young pitcher, and and you know might might even win the Cy Young award, but yeah. but really like, and Corbin Carroll is great, but like beyond that, the Diamondbacks are a bit mystifying. The the Marlins as well. Um, I wrote about this last month, so it might be outdated material too. But but the Marlins have the best record in one run games, which is usually not a good thing to to boast it's it's usually not something that means you can continue that and now they've ousted robertson from their closers role and aj puck hasn't been very good uh as the closer either so they're relying on i believe it's tanner scott now and and you know it's yeah the, the marlins are not an especially scary team when like sandy alcantara isn't on his game and Jesus Lizardo has looked very pedestrian down the stretch as well. So, so yeah, I, I, there's not a lot of teams in the national league beyond those top two that, that scare you. Yeah. I, I always take a peek at the, at the standings on what the team's record is when they play teams above 500. And I mean, Miami 30 and 42, Arizona 32 and 46. It just kind of shows you that when they play quality ball clubs, they, they tend to sputter a little bit. Uh, last one I got for you. Uh, let's talk about the all disappointment club. Coombsy and I gave out this award kind of at the midway point of the season. And now that we're in the final month, I want to revisit it. Which fan base should be the most pissed off with how their season's going. I think the candidates are pretty clear. The Padres spent like a team who should have been going right up with the Dodgers and the Braves in terms of the NL. Um, the Mets probably in that same conversation as well. In the American League, we touched on the Yankees, but I think the Angels have an interesting case. If you're an Angels fan, you are probably right pissed off that you potentially blew your last season with both Otani and Trout. Um, who gets the all disappointment award? Which fan base should be the most ticked off with how their season's gone? I I'm going with the Mets because I think, I think the Padres still put something together perhaps a bit haphazardly, but sometimes it takes like a year or two for those things to all come together and click. And they still kept it all together. You know, like everything, every meaningful piece they added in the off season is coming back next season. And they could be, you know, they could easily win the NL West next, next year. That's my opinion. The Mets, on the other hand, threw money at, at old players, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, whomever, um, also gave like a kind of inexplicable deal to Brandon Nimmo. And it's it's gone well, but it's also like a lot of money on Brandon Nimmo. Mm -hmm. And now they're like threatening to trade Pete Alonso even, which is just so odd. Like it's just like Mets fans are so used to poor ownership. And when they got Steve Cohen, everything changed, you know, they, they had now a billionaire owner who just wants to treat the Mets like his plaything, where he just wants to win a world series. And, you know, a couple months later, all those players are off the team and they're bad. They're, they're a bad baseball team. And we probably should have seen a bit of this coming. Like the team, the team had its holes entering the season too. Like people who thought they might be runaway favorites or like easily win a hundred games should probably look at, look in the mirror a little bit. And I think I might've been one of them. Honestly, I, I thought they were going to be great. And you know, the holes were very apparent. Um, they weren't this apparent. I don't think they, they've been, they've been really bad. And, and, you know, 
I do. I do love Mets fans because they've been through so much. I, I compare them to Leafs fans a lot because they're just, they're so funny. Like they're, they have no hope left. So they're, they're just down in the sewers all the time. And, uh, and yeah, they've been through a lot, but yeah, I, I would be mad if I were, uh, if I were a Mets fan this year. Yeah, not an easy existence to be a fan of the New York Mets, um, really at a lot of points over the last few seasons. Uh, Michael, fantastic stuff as always. Always love picking your brain about everything going on around the majors. Um, I lied one more, a quick fun one. If you had to choose between watching it in person, a Max Verstappen win or a Shohei Otani start, which one's more of a unicorn right now? Uh, An Otani start for sure. I mean, that they're rarer too. Like yeah. he's, he's currently not pitching. So that, that might be an added factor. And, and yeah, for and wins are a dime a dozen. I've also, I also got to attend the, the Canadian Grand Prix, which for won, won, um, not last year, not this year, but the year before. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I've seen it and I, I've never actually seen an Otani start yet. I, I've seen him hit, but never on the mound. And, and it's very sad for me. Thanks for hopping on today, man. Enjoy uh, the September playoff races. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Always fun catching up with Michael. I love that he had his cat just hanging out in the background as well. Uh, Brett, let's wrap this thing up by taking a look at the three gamer against the Oakland A's. The Jays are going to send Jose Barrios to the mound in the opener in game two of the series. Toronto is going to be going with Chris Bassett. And then in game three, it's going to be back to Hunjin Ryu today for Barrios you know, a, a bit of a, we'll call it a bounce back spot. It's been back-to-back starts with five earned runs for Jose Barrios, a guy who was just exceptional and very consistent early in the year. They probably need a big start here from Barrios to kick things off. Well, and, the, and that was going uh, along with this as well. It hasn't been a fantastic last couple of outings for Barrios, but throughout the whole season, Barrios has had a pretty good season. We can all agree with that. And especially from the season before. And I think this Oakland A's matchup that he's going to have will be the perfect game for him to bounce back for, for the rest of the year. And the Jays need him to be strong and solid and, and be stable through the rest of the season. And I think just being able to pound his strikes, excuse me, pound his strikes against uh, this, this Oakland athletics team, who is just not good. <laughs> I don't think, I think my high school team could probably at least take seven innings on this team, but yes, you, you need to take advantage of this team right now. And, and I think this is a perfect time for Barrios to bounce back and get back on track for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, going against Barrios tonight is going to be Ken Ken Waldachuk, and he's he struggled this season. His last couple of starts has been one of two things: either he has no command, or he gets absolutely rocked. In his last start against Seattle, he went four innings. He only gave up one hit. He walked five batters in that game. In his start before that against the White Sox, he went five innings. He gave up five earned runs. Didn't walk anyone, but he gave up eight hits. It just feels like he's been struggling to find the zone for a lot of starts this year. And then when he does find it. Teams are just teeing off on him. So I do think this is a great chance for the Jays to uh, get off to a good start in this series. They are big time favorites, but my favorite bet over on Botano is actually Ken Waldachuk 
over two and a half walks. It's paying a very nice plus 145. You can also get the Jays on the run line at about minus 118. I don't hate either of those spots. Going in game two for Oakland is the old TBD. Game three is expected to be 27-year-old J.P. Sears, who had a good start last time out against the Angels, but in his two starts before that, combined 13 earned runs brett we will wrap this up i want you to give me your pick for who's going to be the mvp of this series you know what it may be a very sneaky pick but i'm going with vladdy i think this is exactly again the the type of series where you just need to get the bats awake and this is exactly the time for guys like vladdy to just even see pitches it doesn't have to be a four for four game with two homers a double and and six rbis it doesn't have to be that it can be a, a two for two game with a double and a single a couple of rbis and a couple of walks or uh, hit by pitch whatever that may be you, the jays and vladdy especially need to be able to get patient get their pitches and attack the pitches that they get and know that they can uh, produce something on and this is the exact time to do it the perfect time to do it heading into the postseason i'm gonna go with david davis schneider he is riding a Pretty long little hitting streak here, actually. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine game hitting streak for Davis Schneider in games he started. So if you take out the games where he just came into pinch hit, it's actually a 10 game hitting streak in games he started. He came around to score or sorry, he had three RBIs. I mean, in that series against Colorado, I like Schneider in that two hole. Hopefully he can keep being productive as the Jays. I up a sweep in Oakland. There will be more Jays fans than Oakland A's fans. I am willing to make that guarantee. And another nice thing for Toronto fans in this one, only one late start. It's a four o'clock Eastern start today. It's 940 Eastern Tuesday. So that's the late one. Wednesday is another day game at 3.30. So not a lot of late bedtimes for Jays fans, which is always nice. And then they're back at home against the Royals for a very long homestand that has a big matchup in it. Going to be a fun couple of weeks here on the pod. Brett, thanks for filling in, buddy. Thank you. Perfect time to get my cable working. Yeah, and there's a uh, and a big shout out to Michael Bradburn from the score as well. Always fun catching up with him. Don't forget, if you want video content from the Blue Jays Nation crew, go subscribe to our YouTube as well as the YouTube for Blue Jays today. And we'll be back later on in the week. Coombsy will be back for episode 178. Talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.